This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. I mean, like I said, there are a few geniuses out there. The rest of us probably have to work a little harder. Um, but um, it's, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, ultimately, right from your gut. But if you base, if you know the craft by having practiced it, by reading it, mm-hmm. um, and immersing yourself over the course of years, you know, you you pick up a few tricks, and then you know, hit a point in a story. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to do here, and you go, wait, I know exactly what I need to do here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, it's it's craft helps, and craft can be learned. Hello, everybody. Uh, you're very welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Um, you can access this show um, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, App- Apple Podcasts, um, or wherever you get your cool content, uh, cool audio podcast content. Um, you can also get it on Headstuff Plus, which is a really cool initiative from the Headstuff guys. Uh, whereby you can sponsor the network in general terms and then pick uh, one or two of your favorite podcasts and then that extra bit of donation uh, will go directly to the artists uh, producing the content itself one of them being us there's also another really cool uh, film and tv podcast called i know that face which is based on uh, um, a lot of character actors that you may know their face but you don't know um, a little bit you know, more about their, their career, who they are, and it goes, it deep dives into the kind of crunch guy from Die Hard and what happened to him and where he is now kind of thing. So it's really cool. It's kind of a fil- fun entertainment podcast hosted by Stephen Porzio. Uh, check that out. Um, um, you can also, if you're feeling really generous, you can buy us a coffee. Uh, you can go to www. That's the worldwide worldwide web www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI if you want to support us directly, not just the podcast but the other work that we do on our events and various different bits and pieces that we uh, that we uh, dish out to the general film and TV public. Um, uh, FNI related news. Thank you so much to everybody who attended our FNI members forum recently. It was a wonderful success. Um, it's just wonderful to galvanise all of the communities and put them under one virtual roof uh, uh, for an evening. Um, and we're delighted to facilitate those type of things because usually it's very much every organisation running their own thing. So it's good to kind of get everybody there so everybody has an idea kind of what who the people are in the positions of power, um, you know, in these organisations, what work they do, um, the members of those organizations and how they help and assist uh, the you know the general film and, and TV um, sector and um, so we were uh, delighted with how it went a massive thank you to uh, the Virgin Media Dublin Film Festival um, the Screen Composers Guild of Ireland um, and who else was on it obviously the cast of Love Hate who popped in for a chat a retrospective chat as well um, and also Irish Equity um, who do Trojan work uh, for actors out there um, in terms of transparency and fairness. Uh, so thanks so much. Um, thanks to our sponsors, Wildcard Distribution and Octavid.com and um, Film Equipment Store, who, again, do Trojan work helping um, not only this podcast, but uh, our film and TV in general reach a wider audience. Today, we're in the studio with... with um, a gentleman of Irish film, TV and animation 
producer, writer, master of screenwriting, uh, Alan Keane from Hot, Dro- Hot Drop Films. How are you doing? Not too bad, Paul. Thank you. You flatter me. <laughs> well, you know, it's deserved, richly deserved. How's it going? Not too bad. Uh, it's nice to be in here. Um, and yeah, just happy to answer any questions and share my <laughs> probably not too controversial opinions on things. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. The more con- controversial, the, the more controversial. We'll, we'll save the those better. for after. Um, so, first of all, how have you been over the last kind of year and a half in I've this new been, way of working? Yeah, I've, I've been quite lucky um, because um, I've kept going. I've been very, very busy. Um, uh, I'd say probably about uh, 80% of the business we do is is animation. And animation was one of the few sort of parts of the media industry that was able to keep going when live action sort of, when the arse fell out of live action, thanks to, to mm-hmm. COVID. Um, uh, a lot of the financing that would have been ordinarily there was, was put into media production that was, shall we say, COVID proof. Uh, a lot of the studios that I was working for, um, you know, just, just uh, found it very easy to... to Keep going, put people, uh, animators and various artists uh, working remotely mm-hmm. and it works surprisingly well. Um, yeah, so who I've knows, been fortunate. Who, knew, who, who could have guessed that, you know, not standing over somebody while they're working mm. would uh, improve product, productivity? <laughs> well, that's the funny thing, you see, is that with a lot of people, it's worked really, really well with. Now, in, in, in with regards to sort of communication, leadership, setting something up, yeah. you do need people in the same space. It's great to keep an eye on things. Just, but yeah, ultimately what this thing has proven is that once you set people up well, that, that they can work remotely. Some people can work exceptionally well and work better yeah. remotely. Um, so, yeah, I think we're looking at a, a kind of a different model going forward where you get some people who are happier working in the studio, other people who work really well outside and, you know, people coming in mm-hmm. and out uh, for meetings as it suits. Um, and people are finding they're, they're more productive. You know? Yeah, yeah. Plus you'll save a fortune on digestive biscuits. Exactly. And milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and personally, okay, everything's yeah, been no, all great. Right? No complaints. I moved house. Um, I finally managed to, to buy a house uh, in the yeah. middle of all this. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that happened because uh, I, I wondered at, uh, at some points if that ever would being being sort of an artist and, yeah. being, and how tough it is um, sort of building up a career in this business. So yeah, I was, I was delighted. It was it was hard moving on your own with <laughs> just you know myself, my girlfriend, um, uh, and, and the kids. But um, yeah, it's it's, it's been a really rewarding. Time, I suppose, you know, some people have found it challenging. I think we've all found it a bit hard, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah, I suppose it, it makes you realise what you're grateful for, you know, and what, what we have that we take for granted. Yeah, I think for a lot of, like, people that we've had, because the podcast has kept going through mm. all this, and we've done a lot of remote podcasts and found new ways of working. Mm. A lot of artists, you know, film filmmakers, actors, have said that it's kind of business as usual mm. in lots of ways. There's a lot of, you know, you know, being okay with your own company type of stuff. Yeah. Which would be keeping yourself busy with anyway. Yeah. You know, a lot of solitary kind of working, uh, learning lines, writing, whatever it may yeah, be. As, so as it's a, not, no big major change. Really. Yeah. I mean, like as a writer, you're pretty well prepped for that. But you, you do miss those. Tr- I mean, I mean, I go to several conferences a year to meet people and make new connections, which have been brilliant. And I'd recommend mm-hmm. anybody. Um, who wants to get ahead uh, as, a, as an artist or a writer in this business, get, meet as many people as you can. And I've, I've missed that. Now, a lot of the meetings have, you know, moved online and we're doing Zoom calls and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more exhausting. I mean, you know, you get, you get two good hours out of someone on a Zoom call doing a writer's workshop uh, as opposed to a full day. It's just mm-hmm. it's just harder work, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, there's a bit of... Um 
It's a bit, a bit echo chamber Yeah, isn't it? Nothing beats the tactility of eye contact and the natural fluidity of a, of a, of a room feeling its energy. But whereas, you know, people staring at a screen, you know, looking slightly off at a camera, look, you know, it, it, there's a disconnect there. And it's just, I think it's draining. Plus, you never know what they're doing with their hands. Well, you never know. Camera. And when they turn their camera off, like, you know, <laughs> it can be very distracting. Cardboard cutouts in the background. Um, yeah, as somebody who's been doing a lot of this, like facilitating mm. these type of events, but also a lot of Zooms, like a lot of Zooms. Yeah, and I like it in a sense in in the way that you can look. You were putting a name to a, to a face, which is helpful, mm. and it is. But it like it's only a, a percentage of what you know that kind of tactile mm. interaction. It's the relationship be. thing. I mean, mm. I've always said it's an energy thing. You, it's a vibe you get off somebody when you start to talk to them and you listen yeah. to each other and you get along and you find out these things in common. That happens so much more naturally. Um, you know, the so much. Of, communication is non-verbal you know we we build a better picture of who we're dealing with and if you're making anything with anybody you know think of it like you know it's a long haul you know an animation tv series is like at least a year on the Mm -hmm. writing front for 52 episodes and a hell of a lot longer than to full production um you want to be working with people you enjoy the company of because it makes the work more joyous you know Mm -hmm. it's definitely people who agree with you but it's people (laughs) you get along with and people you can, can collaborate with um, and yeah, you know, if you've met somebody in the flesh, um, you get a better sense of what they're like, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's easier then to, to work with them. You know, we, I think we all change how we communicate and interact based on yeah, it's chemistry. personality. Yeah. Um, I might take you right back to the start and kind of ask you about what's your name? Where do you come yeah. from? <laughs> um, and I suppose your earliest kind of iteration of creativity when that happened in your life or was there ever a point did you have a uh, eureka moment when you were a kid knowing that you wanted to be doing what you're doing well, now? I, I always loved the cinema absolutely yeah. adore it was a it's magical special place it was, it was a long time before i actually realized it was something you could do yeah um i think it was in my my late teens when i was starting to wonder what the hell i wanted to do in my life um that i decided oh that's really good i'd like to think you know i'd like to try that but i literally had no idea how to do it um, uh, eventually, I, I managed to get, I t- worked in some short films um, years ago when I was living in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you pick things up, you're mainly exploited, you know, you're, you're working for nothing. But you, you eventually make enough contacts. Now, uh, when things really started to take off for me when I, I wrote a, a short script for Galway Film Centre years ago that was like a competition with three scripts where we were given cameras, uh, no budget. And we were told to go off and make our films uh, and and shoot them over the course of a week. And they'd show the fully edited version uh, at the film festival, um, which was hilarious because it was a complete disaster. I mean, like it was a great it was like realizing <laughs> that you don't actually you don't actually need anyone's permission to do something. Sometimes no. it's a psychological thing. But when someone says, go ahead, you can do it. Like, you're like, well, I better not let them down. Mm-hmm. So we went. Um, it was a short script. Anyway, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I, I, I we were going to shoot it out in the Aran Islands. I'd managed to negotiate like really cheap accommodation. Uh, I got the cast together. I, you know, producer was helping, and we had decent enough cameras and everything. But like two big things went wrong. First of all, our lead actor just didn't show up. Oh Jesus Christ! I know. <laughs> we had he was playing. A, uh, there was a guy playing the older version of him uh, as well. So we ended up trying to make him look younger. It was ridiculous. I, was, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at it now. I mean, I should have just quit. <laughs> and then the sound guy who I was actually... So you de-aged film. him before Scorsese de-aged him? Yeah, well, yeah, it was probably better than Scorsese, <laughs> let's be honest. And it didn't cost as much money. But um, yeah, so that that was fun. And, and, and an awful lot of the sync sound because we were shooting one day on a beach. It was quite a strong onshore breeze. 
the sound guy was just there nodding away, giving the thumbs up. He may as well have been deaf because what we got was completely unrecordable. So you had the Titanic so the whole thing. So it was um, an absolute botched job. So we bandaged it up together and got it in. I got some help, but I mean, it wasn't. It was a, it was a great learning experience. And that, and that was really what got me started on the whole filmmaking thing. Um, then I did my master's at NUIG in Galway mm-hmm. in screenwriting, which I don't think they have anymore. I think that's been been shelved which is a bit of a shame um, and there's quite a few people actually who've uh, come out of that you know and done quite well um, that, that was really interesting so I, I got a scholarship to UCLA wow. um, which was really door opening you know because when I was over there I managed to get work as an intern working in Marvel Studios just as Marvel Studios was being financed as a studio this is right after they made the first two Spider-Men um, and then managed to get their own and the rest you know, as they say, it's history. They're pretty much so. This you know, was a mega studio. This before now. kind of Iron Man and stuff, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this, this was before Iron Man. Actually, yeah, this is. Um, I think the Fantastic Four was uh, was the first film that they'd made. Did it come out? And I remember my first day in the office there, and they asked me what I thought of it. <laughs> and um, you gave an honest I, opinion. I gave an you? honest opinion. Yeah, but it was. I, I kind of figured the person. You didn't drink the Kool Aid. No, I just thought it was. I said, didn't think it was great. To be honest, it, well, it wasn't. I mean, they've done amazing things since now. Yeah, of course. As yeah. well as monopolize and ruin, you know, an <laughs> independent cinema. You know, <laughs> you can't knock what they've achieved. Yeah, you know? it yeah. was very interesting. So I, I worked there as a as an intern, which just doing some, some of the most kind of you know dog's body jobs. But it was a very interesting place. Wow, what a life experience. And what yeah. about LA in general? How long were you um, there for? I was there for six months all in all, and I was then offered a job as a writer's assistant on a TV series that was greenlit, which is about to go uh, into production. I think it was um, Brett, I know, what's that name? I can't remember the name of the director. I think it's the son of the guy who used to head up Disney. He's done some really nice, big budget action films, and I knew the guy that was writing the show, and they cast all the actors and everything and then literally I think a month before I was to fly out back out there and, and start we learned that they basically just pulled the plug in it and that they were going to spend the budget on reality TV instead and that was back wow. in 2007 or so when reality TV was really taken mm-hmm. off it was cheaper to make you know you could make three or four of those shows and you know so that 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 was that was that and that was the end of my Ma- American making dream. stars is considerably cheaper than yeah. hiring them, I think all, all the actors got paid out in entire that's how much money these people have they literally just paid everyone out for the their contracts and just didn't do the work see you later Jesus Christ so yeah it was disappointing but um I was I managed to get myself a temp uh, a temporary job with um uh it was a screen training Ireland had a, a bursary uh, and I was working over in London at the time as a, again a sort of a development assistant um for Tiger Aspect when they were making that Robin Hood show for the BBC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and that was really good. Yeah, it was it, with the show. Um, I always had a really big problem with the show. Is that you know? <laughs> I, was, I was like, why doesn't he just you know? Why doesn't he just kill the sheriff of Nottingham? Seeing as the sheriff of Nottingham, so it's there for it's you. There. It's like, so yeah, obvious. It, That's how you solve that Even the showrunner, who was the lovely genius, a lovely talented man, uh, Dominic Mingala. Um, He's the brother of Anthony, um, okay. uh, and uh, yeah, he, he he kind of acknowledged it. But they, yeah, that was really it was a really lovely experience. They were lovely people, um, and then I got a job uh, offer an RTE to cover for maternity leave. Um, so I thought oh, I'll move back home. Mm-hmm. That when that thing ended, and and I worked in RTE for I think it was um, 
I think eight or nine months, which is really eye-opening as well. We learn an awful lot. It's from a listener's perspective. It's so good and refreshing to hear somebody who's worked in different roles mm. all over the place. You know, yeah, no, it definitely helps. And how how valuable do you think that is in terms of number, like sniffing out bullshit, for example? Oh yeah, I know, mean, knowing your value and integrity and stuff like that. Cause yeah. Like even in you've, you've mentioned twice about kind of just giving a frank appraisal or something. <laughs> and how important is that? It's important. I the way I see. Uh, it's very look you know if there's an opportunity in front of you um if they do if they don't like your honesty and i'm not talking about being like you know one of those uh, i'm not don't mean to be offensive which mean, which means you are <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um you, if they don't like your honest opinion and mm-hmm. I, you know phrase it constructively don't be too pejorative then then they don't want your opinion and so what are they hiring you for mm-hmm. you know that's the way i see it if they want a yes man then be prepared to sign up to swallow an awful lot of crap and say yes a lot and, and you know, suppress your instincts. Mm-hmm. So I do, I, I pride myself on my honesty. It's not, it's a hard thing initially because you're, you're like, again, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to not pay the rent. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very hard to, um, but I do, I do recommend it. Like people who are worthwhile will respect your opinion. And if they don't like your opinion, then maybe you're not suited to work together or the, on that particular project. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can afford to be honest, be honest, <laughs> yeah. is my advice. <laughs> If you can afford it, yeah. So if you're of money, say whatever you like to whoever you like. Um, So, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of company formation and how you've found yourself in animation. Yeah. Well, I came coming out of RT, I worked on this really lovely show with Jam Media, which was a live action combination animation show called Roy Mm. for the BBC. It was a really beautiful film board short called Badly Drawn Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the BBC loved the idea, so they took it uh, and made Roy um, an 11-year-old boy. He was the only animated boy in the world. So uh, that was my first experience of writing for animation. Um, so it was a case of, like, um, you know, picking up the ropes of how to write for animation. But, but it was, you know, ultimately, there were live-action scripts from a production perspective mm-hmm. with, like, a kid uh, in a green suit with ping pong balls all over him running around the place, you know. <laughs> um, and that did really well. That, that uh, it was nominated for a BAFTA. Um, I think it won a BAFTA and it won... Uh, Royal Television Society Award. So then, you know, when you have sort of that success of working and having experiences and something like that, you're all, people are automatically more interested in your CV. So I was lucky enough then to get a job uh, at Ardman. There wasn't a lot going on here. I, that, I didn't in work. fairness, that's a dream job. Yeah, I was what, really, most really anime, lucky. Animation writers. Because after Roy came out, it took so long to make. I was pretty much unemployed for the best part of, I'd say, nearly a year and a half. I was on the dole. I was, it, was, it was difficult. But I made uh, 10 short films in two weeks for um, the uh, was it the name of the festival the Darklight Film Festival we did a, a, just got a bunch of uh, unemployed equally sort of uh, <laughs> lost uh, filmmaker People types like me. Yeah, exactly and we just got together <laughs> I I had a, an American Express card at the time which I didn't realise that you you had to pay all of it back at the end of the month rather than like break it up over 12 oh. so myself and Declan Lynch who was my fellow producer on that um, we, we just got together and we I think we made about 60 minutes worth of edited you know um, films I think it was 10 short films in yeah, just in about a week with, with just loads of lovely interested were, enthusiastic th- people thematically was it kind of like thriller and horror it was based around uh, it was a horror themed uh, it was a hotel which is actually was two hotels right. that's a long story <laughs> but we, we cut it together as one and some of the films were great some of the uh, directors have gone on to have really spectacular careers others um, I haven't heard from again you know but that's just the nature of it not everyone mm. Gets to the goal, but there was lots of people started their careers there, you know, who literally had no experience or had minimal experience from college or something. And you're like, well, yeah, you're a body if you're interested, 
mm. let's do it. And we when I'd say you know there's. I mean, there was at least, I think, six really good short films that would easily be up there with any sort of short film. Uh, Do you think one thing that we've been discussing kind of behind the scenes here at what we, with what we do, do you, what is it about our shorts when they can be so good but then just kind of disappear into the ether? What, what place do our shorts have? Mm. Well, I think most people view shorts not so much as something to be consumed. It's something to, to be consumed by agents and power brokers. They're, you know, but bar the odd film every week in RT, there's not really much of a space for watching them now. YouTube and whatnot has, has made them more available. Yeah. But I don't think, I suppose... Like, why isn't there... I know. I mean, why like, is there an online library yeah. of all of the Well, there is actually... There, they have a, an, uh, the film board have one, but that's obviously all the, sp the film board ones. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't quite know. I really do enjoy watching, you know, a good programme of short films, yeah. you know. I, uh, maybe it's because, you know, for, for me, maybe uh, over the last kind of year, because we've consumed so much content at mm. home and long-form series and mm. films and everything's on laptops and televisions. Mm. I like... Uh, for me, more recently, I like watching a lot of shorts. Yeah. Just because, you, look, I understand that... Like TikTok. I mean, look at, look at like TikTok. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. taken yeah. off oh, short Maybe it's an attention span thing yeah. for all of us or whatever. But I, I, I quite enjoy the idea of an anthology mm. stories oh, yeah, in a I mean, short form and just being you know thrown at you. Well, it's kind of like world universe building, isn't it? You know, if you're yeah. going to try and glue all these stories together, and that's what we tried to do with Hotel Darklight, was trying to, we had actors popping up in different films that were the same character. <laughs> and we tried to make as many links as we possibly could with no money. Yeah. Um, I think we, we made quite a few. There were a few more that we didn't get around to doing, but... Um, yeah, I think that it's you know we, it's it's nice to see it's like you know, those Easter eggs in in ideas and stories mm. and, and that you know uh, most IP um, hunters now are looking for stuff that's like a universe. Now, they don't want one great story that ends. They're like, no, it ends. We want to milk this thing until it's absolutely, you know, bereft of any <laughs> merit or joy. Since, since you're on, <coughs> on the uh, Marvel Honesty Buzz, how do you feel about this kind of multiverse, several char several characters popping up in several stories? And, uh, and it, does, like, it does happen within the subject yeah, matter. They were, they were already talking about doing that when I was there. And mm -hmm. they had a huge library of, of comics that they, they got me to, to organise and arrange and, you know, file, which... Was, was interesting but they were already talking about that when, when, when I was there and, and I'd be pulling out bits and pieces and, and they, they were always looking I mean a lot of the Marvel Universe did it anyway they were just trying to do it in a much more cohesive way I think you know it speaks for itself how successful it's been I mean if you look mm -hmm. at the, the final two big you know blockbusting films um, mm -hmm. that, that finished the, the series um, that is a culmination of all that storytelling and, and I think they did a great job of it I'm, I'm just sick of it now <laughs> to yeah, be honest yeah me too I mean you know, I'm, but I'm not you know I'm not their target audience anymore I'm, I'm a Forty-three-year-old man, you know, and my tastes, <laughs> my tastes have changed, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, d I, don't know about this kind of, you know, Michael Keaton versus X, Y, and Z Batman, you know, yeah. occupying the same space. Yeah, as good as they all are in their individual iterations, you know, but it's yeah, like, you're stretching the boundaries of credibility there. Yeah, it's like I, I don't see. Look, yeah, I, DC I just, aren't doing as good as a job. Well, what it's, it, really. I think what it's doing is it's eroding star power, mm. you know, and that, you know. The emphasis is on it's a power play to, the, to show that the emphasis is on the character that's the star, mm. you know. Yeah, you know, the same thing with Scarlett Johansson recently, mm. you know, and that you know, 
shithousery yeah. they, they pulled on her. Oh, yeah. You know, you but sign a contract, you sign a contract, you get paid for what you're supposed to get paid for. No, totally. And, and, if, and if the circumstances change around that... <laughs> well, they, they'll chance their arm and say, well, you you know, you've, well, she's got money to, to lawyer up. I'll give mm. her that. But um, yeah, look, it's not the first time a big corporation has just thrown their weight around and decided a contract doesn't matter. And then you just have to find people who've got the stomach for legal battle mm-hmm. and the pockets for legal battle. And if even if you have the pockets, like legal battles are... You know, who wants emotionally. It, no, exactly. You yeah. know, that's why the people. So, settle. who have you taken to court in the last? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one recently. No, no. I can't, I can't really talk about it. I've, I've loads of NDA signed. Now. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, just for a lot of you know, so a lot of writers, for example, would listen mm. to this show, and we've done a lot of kind of classes and stuff through FNI for writers. Yeah. What qualities does somebody need to have to write well for animation? Yeah. Um, would they need to be more lone wolves to kind of show run something mm. or, you know, would they need to understand how a unit mm. writes or like a, like a room, a well, writer's I, room? I would say if you want to write for animation, you better, well, have an interest in it and watch it and, and, mm. and be a fan of it. Because there is, there is a difference. Um, it's a much more imagined world. I mean, there's, you know, people who pitch you an idea like, oh, it's it's about two animals who live in a house. Okay, it's animation unless mm-hmm. you've got shitloads of money and you want to make a live action. Uh, animation seems to lend it towards the more, um, the more sort of floridly imaginative, the more kind of um, escapist, not to say that you can't make a live action that way, but it is, mm-hmm. it's a lot more expensive and the app, you know, um, also, there's, there's, there's the physics of writing animation. Um, really, you know, you're writing for a board artist and you want to basically give them stuff that kind of, you know, give them something to do. You know, yeah. um, you, you, dialogue's so a lot great. Of visual, visual, hooks. visual, visual, visual. Yeah, yeah. Established with the style is whether it's slapstick, whether it's, uh, you know, squash and stretch, or whether it's, you know, all these things you kind of have to know. You have to know, understand the physics of the universe. Um, if you're creating a show, you have to understand it. But then if you're writing in someone else's show, then you have to you have to know their show mm-hmm. and know how to write for it. So yeah, you kind of have to be someone that enjoys cartoons. Not everybody does. I'm lucky. I always have. I'm a big kid, really. Um, and yeah, who doesn't enjoy cartoons? I'd say, I'd say you're right, like a, very much a dad with the kids on the lap watching Saturday morning cartoons. Oh yeah, I do. Stuff. I love watching uh, stuff with my kids. Now, not all of it. I enjoy some of the stuff they enjoy. I just don't get. And I accept that, you know, I'm not the oracle. But um, <laughs> there, there is stuff that, you know, you, like I, I worked on a show called The Amazing World of Gumball. Which I just think, I mean, if you haven't watched it, um, it's it's extraordinary. The the jokes, the humor, the storytelling, it's it's honestly it's 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 total broad spectrum appeal. You can watch it. Apparently, our outside our main demographic, our other demographic was college kids between the ages of uh, eighteen to twenty five. So make of that. You know, people probably <laughs> smoking bongs, just and high as a fucking kite. <laughs> yeah, looking exactly. at the colors. But yeah, but uh, it's it's a really good show. A very good show. Yeah. Um, and that that went on to win, win loads and loads of awards. And I, but it's very just it's a real privilege to be part of working on that. You know, because you you learn so much by the people you work with, particularly if they're talented. Mm. You know, what about um, as somebody who would you know take cows to the market mm. a lot and pitching. Um, um, what what experiences have you had, good and bad, in pitching, and what kind of tips would you give to people? Oh, pitching? pitching is, I'll say it's it's hard. Um, it's hard. It's it's. I'd say practice is the main thing. You know, <laughs> um, 
you know, sometimes when you spend a lot of time really developing the, the detail, the broadness of the world, it's it, the hardest thing in the world is kind of to sum it down into something incredibly glib because you feel like you're leaving out a whole mm-hmm. load of stuff. And if you're one of these people that struggles with it, I'd, I'd find, uh, you know, write it down. Shorter is better, you know, uh, make it punchy, leave them wanting more, leave them out, you know, basically don't throw everything at them, give them enough to keep them interested and then uh, get them to read the material is mm-hmm. my thing, you know, because, you know, that's really what, well, that's that's the thing. Business full of executives who, well, you know, most of them will openly admit they don't really enjoy reading. I mean, everyone enjoys reading something good, but that's not all that commonplace, you know. So, you know, give them something good to read and and tease them to the point with the idea that they're intrigued enough to want to see the materials. Now, if it's animation, obviously they'll want to see what it looks like. They'll want mm-hmm. to see a Bible um, and they'll want to see some pitches so like blow them blow them a kiss don't stick your tongue down their throat exactly leave, yeah, tease them <laughs> tease them a little bit you know show them a bit of thigh you know <laughs> it's um, yeah because as somebody who I ha- haven't pitched a lot of material but mm. I've watched a lot of the kind of pitching awards yeah. and, and I've not verbally but have you know put some stuff in mm. for funding and bits and pieces um, what often what what do people do wrong in circumstances like that? Oh, that I think you've seen? I, I think it's too too much detail. Um, know what your audience wants to hear. I mean, yeah. you know, it's really it's a case of try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, the fact that they're being you know you go to these conferences, they're having say you know uh, two pitches an hour. Mm. If you're you know if you're lucky, probably for more. If you're unlucky, so you've got a really tight window with people who are very impatient, time poor. I'm not judging them. Their jobs are tough. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to go in there, make a good impression, leave, you know, be yourself, make eye contact, smile. Be Irish. Be Irish. It, it does help. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They yeah. love us. They, they do. And you're like, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's because we're fun afterwards too. We'll always be at the bar having a bit of fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, no, genuinely, like I've, you, most of the Irish people I know who are doing well, a lot of it's down to initial kind of contact. And yeah, it's the relationship. We put them at ease yeah, well, almost, I, very, almost immediately. We're good at that, I think, as a yeah. nation. We're, we're not to say as aloof as a lot of the Brits are, or difficult to read, mm-hmm. or as sort of politely and sincere as a lot of Hollywood is, where like everyone's nice, everything's really great, you know, like nothing, not, everything can't be great. Where's all the shit stuff? You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you why can't we? Why can't we talk about the shit stuff and, yeah. la- and laugh about it? You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, just keep keep your pitch short. Get to the essence of it. What is it? Why do you want to make it? They always like that question. What's the personal element? Of it? Why do you want to tell this story? You know, and that's what that's, that's sometimes not it's not an easy question to answer. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you know saying oh well because I enjoy it is kind of obvious and they'll just think you're a dullard. I think it's <laughs> you have to kind of get under the skin of what it is that you want to say, uh, and if it's something relatable or personal, then they seem to latch onto that more. Mm-hmm. Um, what about rejection? The dreaded rejection. Oh, uh, we ask the, everybody who comes <laughs> on the show, how do you deal with it? Well, I would say. Um, yeah, you have to be philosophical about it, but you also have to allow yourself to get furious. Yeah. You know, anger is a great motivation. Rejection can be really good fuel um, as long as you don't allow it to become something toxic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, there's plenty of times I get letters from the film boards and it's like, you know, rejected for this short film. I'd be livid. But mm-hmm. for me, I, it's, it's like an exorcism. I get all the frustration and anger out and then it's gone. And then I basically just get back to it or I use the... The rejection is a way of galvanizing what I need to do better the next time. What do I? You strike you know, me as somebody who might take an email, print it off, and stick it on the wall, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, if I feel like I'm going to get something from it, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you don't want to be walking around in a funk full of anger either. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. anger gets you to the table. You, have, you need to clear head to do good work. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, expel that demon. Let that's, it, let that's it take it. you over and expel. Yeah, the demon exactly. Then. Get it out of your system. 
I always say to my writers when I send on notes, like, you know, particularly if I know they're, they, they might be frustrated by them, I'll say, take a day, mm-hmm. you know, and then give me a call because it gives them time to like put me in a dark. Oh, bastard! Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, to, to, yeah. to, to, to make hang, a boogie doll of over, me. over the over the banisters and give it away. Exactly. Whack. And a day later, you're never as angry. You know, yeah. you're never as angry. I mean, like, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough business. Rejection is hard. I mean, like, you you only really need a few yeses to have a career. Well, well timed, mm. well placed ones. Yeah, yeah. So and you know, they're few and far between as well, right? They are. I mean, it's, it, it is. It's a ridiculously overly competitive game. It's uh, it's amazing how. I mean, I know loads of really talented people who've just dropped out because they found it too difficult to sustain. You know, and it's sad. Um, Sometimes one of the greatest talents you can have, and then you'll see it in a lot of the people who are successful, is the sheer bloody mindedness and determination <laughs> to hang in there. Not everyone can. Not the everyone resolve, can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always financially. Like these some people, you know, you have to go back to work. Life, real life beckons if you've got kids and all that mm. kind of stuff. It is really, really hard. Have kids. Have because kids. You have to feed them, and that, that's, that's always a good That's a motivation. Or it could be, a, you know, it could be like a, a parachute. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. Um, how do you. How do you look after yourself as somebody who's, you know, just based on some of the some of the ups and downs and, the, you know, the snakes and ladders uh, aspect? Um, I think it's good to talk to people, have good relationships like um, it, can, it can't be just primarily about work. I mean, that is really mm-hmm. it's the glue that binds us. But having good relationships with people in the business uh, who can who you can have a good wine to sometimes or you mm-hmm. can because sometimes you know those conversations can lead to you know the phoenix rising from the ashes or can give you the perspective on things but just to feel that you're not alone in your frustrations um, and, this is, and nobody makes anything on their own I mean you know mm-hmm. if you think oh I want to do this and I'm going to be in complete control you better be a genius because <laughs> you know and they're they're really rare <laughs> what you're better at is identifying what you're not good at and make allegiances and alliances with people find your tribe yeah and, and it's through other people's talents and your own you'll make something great and it makes it less lonely and it makes it worthwhile you know mm. it's, it's really rewarding um you know it's, it's a tough enough business so I, I recommend yeah um friends sympathetic friends because i mean I, I i anyone who doesn't work in this business i really try not to to bore them with it because they oh, don't they care. Time for it. Like, oh, I don't want to know why yeah, this magic yeah, yeah. happens. It's, it's there. Don't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had, like, I, I'm from a big family, and yeah. uh, to be, and I mean this is in the greatest, with the greatest possible respect for all my, mm. you know, siblings, and they couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. And I think they'd like I, to see me do well. Don't yeah. get me wrong. No, say, I, I don't think a single member of my closest family I've ever made them read any of my scripts. No, no. I mean, even my girlfriend, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it to her. <laughs> You wouldn't I wouldn't want their judgment <laughs> yeah I no. mean it's plus I mean, if they want to they can they're the audience right it's the same thing with they're comedians all, well, they don't want their family a- ask your mother she's going to be proud of you, you know, you're yeah. not going to get good criticism like of mum unless your mum is like seriously dark you know, so, you know. <laughs> or if she's a writer yeah well, that's it <laughs> would be even worse I guess <laughs> exactly um, yeah. so as somebody who critiques a lot of work mm. for obvious reasons through your you know when you give notes and you're yeah. you know you script edit a lot and mm. you will also write mm. what's a good script it's a good script I suppose a good script grips you early and tells a, a good story and a good story is not I mean, I, I'm a big fan of stories that don't necessarily follow the mould I think you know if you read a lot of these screenwriting books and you write mm. according to the way that these books tell you. You're going to write derivative, predictable stuff. Mm-hmm. I think really good writing, it comes from the gut. It comes from, you know, the, 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 the moment that you're actually building up and creating in your head. It doesn't necessarily come from 
you know, hitting particular points. I mean, like when you break it down and you look back over a good story, it will hit, it'll hit all those structural mm. points. It just does so in a way that's kind of, it's subtler. It's not, it's not so on the nose. Um, so a good story comes from, I think, uh, a special place. It's basically a place where you're basically, you're, you're, when you're reading it, you're, you're, it immerses you and you're charmed by it. And luckily, if it works very well, you might be, you know, inevitably surprised. You know, <laughs> a good story, the end sometimes is there in the very beginning, you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's just hidden. Do you believe in that kind of os- osmosis uh, element of, you know, the spark and it taking you where you go or... Because there's, and I even through some of the classes from tutor to tutor mm. to tutor, there's conflicting mm. yeah. advice about this stuff. Should you vomit draft stuff? Uh, should, should, vomit you, works. should you should you ro- roadmap stuff? Well, I think the longer thing, the longer form you go on, the more vomit starts stops working. A vomit's mm. great to get something down. It's like putting down your clay, mm. then you can start to sculpt it. You know, writing ultimately. It's re it's rewriting. It's it's going get get it finished and you can fix it. You know, yeah. if you haven't finished it because it's not right, you never you know you have to finish it. Mm-hmm. Except your first was it the Hemingway the first draft of everything is shit, <laughs> and I think he's right. And this is Hemingway saying that. Um, uh, Unless you're one of the McDonalds who just like they well, at, yeah, at yeah. will just uh, write 130 pages. Uh, there's a few people you hear about and you go and you go really. I said I mean how much is that is mythology or I mean like I said there are a few geniuses out there. The rest of us probably have to work a little harder. Um, but um, it's, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, ultimately, right from your gut. But if you base, if you know the craft by having practiced it, by reading it, mm-hmm. um, and immersing yourself over the course of years, you know, you you pick up a few tricks, and then when you hit a point in a script story, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do here, and you go, Wait, I know exactly what I need to do here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, it's it's craft helps, and craft can be learned. You know, mm-hmm. the, the 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 spark. I think you either have it or you don't. I mean, some people force it. Mm-hmm. But uh, and some people have it, you know. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, it can become d- derivative and predictable, and yeah, you know, and, nobody and these wants people that. write soaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, with all due respect yeah. to anybody who gets paid, but they, for, they for are working craft. within very tight restrictive constraints. You know, you can't. You know, you know. You can't, Paul you know, Webster's going to fucking kill me for that because he, <laughs> he's he, gonna write, be, he yeah. writes for soap. No, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so you should. Um, you know, these people are. Yeah, it's it's really tough work. But like you, you know. Uh, it's co- the constraints and it's finding surprising things in the constraints is really, really hard, you know, like particularly yeah. when, you're, when you're dealing with sort of like a precinct, like somewhere like uh, Fair City or Coronation Street. There's only so many things in the human spectrum drama that have, you can do. And how many of them have you already covered? And how do you tell new stories? Yeah. You know, that's that's hard. Well, there's I, I a, there's a Bible for that as well, right? Yeah, oh, there yeah. is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Parameter, yeah. Parameters they even have like these people who uh, work uh, for the shows who are like obsessives. They're like they're because they the people who work in Ken Barlow wouldn't say that <laughs> exactly. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course the actors would know better what they'd say themselves. You mm. know. Um, what's your favorite film? What What's your favorite film ever, and why? Oh, I don't know. See, everyone asks that. Even my son asked me, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I, there's a few films that definitely sort of lingered with me and made me want to, I think, get involved in the business. I think it was one of the times I came out of the cinema after watching um, Memento. Yeah. And I came out and I thought, oh my God, that was amazing. Because, I mean, again, it's it, look how surprising the structure is. Look at how clever the structure is. Yeah. It was like a, I'd never watched anything like that beforehand. You know, there's this sort of reverse uh, flashback narrative with the where you're, you're, you're at the point of view of this character that has no memory of um, of, of his recent past. So he's kind of like trying to road wrap his way to, to find what he thinks is his wife killer. It's an amazing film. And if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. But 
you know, I mm. suppose when I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I really love in a story, those that story had all of those things. Unpredictability, uh, uh, completely breaking the yeah, structure of, well, of storytelling. It just broke the rules and it got away with it. And I was mm. really, I was blown away by that. Um, and which, which brings us up to Tenant. Mm. Yeah, where, you know, <laughs> let's be honest, you know, uh, yeah, I, w- I w- wasn't much of a fan. Yeah, you've seen it, right? I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it was, just it's it's yeah, it's, it's become something of a parody of himself now. I do wonder because I thought the the Batman film, the was it the third one with uh, Christopher uh, Christian Bale? Yeah, you know, with a face mask on the whole time. I thought that was really badly written too. It's terrible. You could start the whole film about forty five minutes in. <laughs> you, you get the impression that on the third one they had, you know, they had to go back to page one because of what was happening with uh, what had happened God love him to yeah. Heath Ledger so they had to start from scratch again yeah. you know? and then it was you know deadline, uh, no, I wouldn't blame that on Heath Ledger now I'm joking no no no, no, Jesus. <laughs> no, but yeah, no but the second one was brilliant no the second one was no but the third yeah. one obviously they had a, they they had had a, map, they had a map and start from scratch and, yeah that's and, true that is true and things um, flipped on I, I, don't, I don't think there's any excuse for the, the just it's it's like they're, somebody broke him I think I mean I, he's done some good films since Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tenant's not not great. Yeah, I, I, like the the set piece of the o- the first twenty minutes in the opera house thing mm. is all visually brilliant. And mm. I was like, oh, there's, oh, no, this there's is no great. question he's brilliant at the, at the visual set pieces. Directors think in set pieces and sequences. Perhaps you know? he, he might ask his brother to come back and write with him. Yeah, for maybe a while. he should. His yeah. brother's a very very gifted writer, actually, very smart guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about growing up. Um, where are you from? Oh, it's, it's a long story. Mayo originally. I remember oh, em- emigrated to um, to London when I was nine. Oh, really? Okay. Um, uh, back in the 80s. Uh, went to school at the university over there um, and moved back to Ireland when I was 25. And I, I did a course in Galway, a filmmaking thing. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's on the back of that. I did that short film and that's what kind of... So coming to Ireland, actually coming back home to Ireland kind of helped launch me. I did my masters here as well. What did you have a did you have any influences uh, were you one of those kids um who had like a super 8 camera or you know would film stuff when you were very small? Oh, I was no I I know I got no I would never have they'd have told me to sod off, you know. <laughs> it just wasn't a thing. No, it wasn't a thing. It's like you get him a camera. No. Um no, I was uh God, I was very much I used to do co- write comic strips when I was a kid. I was massively into my art right. and drawing um and uh like I was the I won the art prize at school and then I had to qu- I quit art when I was 16 because it was I wanted to do an art A level that's the Irish yeah, you know, yeah. the English equivalent of uh, uh leaving cert and uh, they said it's too time consuming. Uh, and you're academic. You're, are you mad? You won't get a job <laughs> out of it. And I and I listened to them. I'm sorry I did. I mean because I I really enjoyed the art, but I was quite academic as well. Um, so I went and did a psychology degree, which was very interesting. But I I realised very quickly I didn't want to work in work as a psychologist. It's a horrible job. Surely that ties into <laughs> what you do now. Oh no, I think it all does. I mean all like these understanding things. Ca- understanding feed. character. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, um, uh, uh, do you look? I, I know you write a lot of animation mm. and stuff, but in terms of some of your other, and I'm sure you have some specs, mm. uh, spec scripts and other bits and pieces. Do you find that that having a background in that? Mm. Well, ha- helps you develop character. I better. think it gives you a framework for thinking about character that pretty much anyone could learn really quickly. You know, just essentially what are the basic constituents of human purpose, personality, motivation, you know, seeing character. I mean, there's some really good um, books out there that can help you do that, like the Enneagram, what kind of personality would your character have? What's the what's the good version of your character? What's the bad version? What are the things that make them, you know, the best version of themselves and the worst version of themselves? All these things are really valuable when you're 
plotting out, say, a story arc for your mm-hmm. main central character. You know, if you know where your character is when they or where they need to be at the end, then you can plot backwards and see, well, who do they start out as? And what's more, it's, what's the most interesting and engaging arc of transformation that I'd like to see that I haven't seen before? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've seen it before, then people go, it's very well made. But <laughs> I've seen it before. If, if you do something really new and interesting, then you've got people's attention all of a sudden because they haven't seen it. Um, what's... <laughs> What do you think is the most important character? Like, uh, I know a lot of writers, but what do you There's think? There's one note I always hate. Go I know on. what you're going to ask. Go it's, it, it's the it, likability. It's, it's not relevant. It no? Isn't. No. I mean, look at all the modern comedies where, where characters don't have to be likable. They just have to be engaging and interesting. Look, sympathy is Is that because is an of the American thing. construct of well, know, I think happy endings? And, uh, and I think it's, it's just this idea of, like, why do I want to be looking at this guy or this gal? You know, and you're like, well, because they're interesting. It helps if you like them, of course. Mm. But they don't have to be likable. They just have to be engaging, you know. Um, and sometimes if they're not likable or, or incredibly flawed, they're even more interesting. Like comedy is inherently, all, all the characters, the great characters, they're inherently flawed people. Yeah, Bordering yeah, yeah. on your personal opinion. Oh, you could think Larry David's an asshole. I love him. I love Larry. But I would not want to hang around with Larry David because you'd have your head wrecked. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it is that thing, isn't it right? I mean, yeah. We all love a bad guy, but why mm. do we love a bad guy? Because a bad guy is flawed, right? Yeah, but a bad guy gets to have all the fun too, you know. Like the, bad the, the lead, you know, the romantic lead or the or, or the protagonist is is the straight guy, really, yeah. in the story. Yeah, and that's that's another problem, I suppose. You know, and I, I've done it myself plenty of times. It's like you know, the, you know, be careful to not make your hero boring or too noble or you know, um, or too good. Good, yeah, yeah. good is dull. You know, we all know those folks. You love them to bits, but you don't get stuck in a corner with them. They'll be telling you about all the money they raise for charity and all the runs. You know, yeah. <laughs> Shit, hang you on. want fun and interesting people. You want people <laughs> to have a bit of crack with, and they don't have to be bad. They don't have to be good. They can, you know, they just be complicated. Yeah. Um, how do you write complicated characters? Uh, that's that's <laughs> the thing. I think you draw on elements of real life. It really helps if it's yeah. people you don't know. You know, you, you very rarely can you say, well, "I base that character exactly on that person." Uh, but it's an amalgam of various traits from people or even, even characters from other films, like another to play. He looks like, well, I want that character. Their name isn't going to be bloody Han Solo, but you want this quick whip, you know, you yeah. know, charismatic, funny, you know, devilish kind of uh, that, that, that's those are the kind of traits. If you get someone like that in your head, it's much easier. But than not, that's not a hear. negative thing to do. right? No, it's you not. should have that. You should have it's borrow begging steals. The yeah, whole yeah. industry is built on it, you know. Yeah, it is such yeah. and such meets such and such. Yeah. And, um, Just tweak a few elements. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, exactly. You can say, well, he's like Han Solo, but he's black. He's already interesting. He's already got another edge, mm-hmm. you know. So there's there's, there's, uh, there's so many great creative exercises you can do when you're coming up with characters, you know. Don't be afraid to to try something quite different and see where it takes you. You know, you just need to be right once. You can throw the other ten ideas away, and you go. Now we've got something we can run with that's really entertaining and funny, and that will engage. You know. Mm-hmm. What um, <laughs> what advice would you give yourself at eighteen or nineteen? <laughs> I th- this is the funny thing. I, I, I sometimes wonder if I knew how hard this was going to be, you know, would I have <laughs> yeah. would I have started out? I, well, I mean, because I, like, I don't think anyone quite knows how difficult it can be and how much, I don't know, it, it's a hard business. Mm. I think I would. I just think I'd probably lie to my younger self and say, oh, it'll be fine. It's great. Just hang in there. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. The one gig will make, the one gig will make <laughs> it all worse. It's, it. it's like a gale, you know, a gale force wind of piss you know for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> I for the first time ever yeah. um, I had somebody I've been asked a couple of times over the years what you, like because you know I've a daughter you've kids 
Um, if your child asked you, mm. would you know, if, if I wanted to be an actor, or, mm. or, you know, or in the arts or yeah. whatever, or a singer or whatever, would I would I say that? Would I be? Oh, that I'd, I'd encourage them. I absolutely. I wasn't. See, I don't encouraged. know if I would anymore. Uh, I, maybe that's yeah. just the funk I'm in right now. Yeah, maybe that. I mean, that's the thing. I suppose what I would do, I'd encourage them, but I would encourage them with a real framework of practicality and realism. I would say, do this if you enjoy it. Um, and that's really the most you can expect. Anything else beyond that, it's really up to you and how much you want it. Mm-hmm. But I like kids should be. We, we, we as a, I think adults, and we're lucky. We're creatives. We we have to play or we go nuts. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a healthy outlet. I think a lot of adults forget how to play, and I love watching stuff where other people's play comes out and and, and you know takes them out of their lives. Yeah. Uh, I think we don't play enough. You know. Yeah, I think a reflection of that maybe might be the new kind of artists' mm. um, basic living mm. wage income yeah. support thing, which is long overdue. Oh, no, it's it's just, it would be absolutely fantastic. It really would because uh, um, you I know. would have saved my bacon. Not that you always find a way, mm. don't you? But you know, would have saved oh, my God, bacon like over the, the years. Not, many sleepless nights and worry and anxiety and. I'm wondering, you know, there were dark, dark nights where you thought, well, am I, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing here? Have I, mm-hmm. have I, but then I hung in there. I just, I didn't really want to do anything else. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I got the breaks when, you know, the, the dawn came, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's always darkest before the That's dawn. That's it. Um, yeah. writing in general, mm. um, do you, do you feel as if in this country, now this is a kind of far, far uh, far-reaching question. Do mm. you feel as if we're getting better because yeah. the shackles are off now insofar as, like, f- for example, Screen Ireland mm. are taking more chances. Yeah. The likes of, say, normal people mm. kind of opening up the accent, th- are putting the accent debate thing to rest yeah. in the States and in the UK a little bit more. Do you think that our writers or the standard of writing in general terms is getting better or the shackles are just a little I, bit more I think off? globally the standard of writing is getting better. I think the proliferation of uh, education about writing, some of it's great, some, well, some of it helps. I mean, like you take, you cherry pick everything. There's something yeah. in every book. Just don't use it as a Bible. It's not, it's, 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 it's there to be gotten stuff from. I think, that, yeah, generally there seems to be a lot more... Um, it seems to be improving. It's, or, you know, there's lots of good writing out there that never gets made. Mm. You know, I mean, I would say people learn more about the craft, know more now about the craft than they ever did, and that's thanks to sort of the internet, podcasts. You know, loads of people talking about it, and you know, people hopping on to discussing their process, which is really enlightening. And, and um, yeah, I do. I think it's it's definitely getting more competitive out there. I mean, mm. there's more and more writers uh, I'm coming across. Um, you know every year and I'm always looking for, for new people depending on you know what shows I'm doing and you know um, and there, there's a boom in animation meaning that you know I, a lot of the people I would have relied on are sometimes otherwise engaged so I, I do need more bodies yeah. so I'm yeah, always yeah. looking to, to and, and you, know, you don't always look for the finished po- product either you look for people who have a knack have an aptitude and have a hunger to, to learn and improve you know not people that just go back you know to throw your notes back in your, in your face <laughs> you know, which you know is they're entitled to do but you know it's not how it works you know you have to be play well with others so how important is attitude it's a bit it's good i want uh, again you want people who can tell you the truth in the same way that you know i was talking about honesty too people who can go well i don't agree with you know and you'll t- will tell me why let's argue it out mm. because ultimately you get to the bottom of but isn't that are we not at a point now mm. just uh, you know in the artistic creative mm. landscape now where mm. we can't respectively re- respectfully um agree to disagree about stuff yeah, but the problem is, is that you know, who decisions need to be made regardless, you know, um, and that is, see, I find it frustrating because like when you're writing, say, comedy, for example, you've written a really great joke, 
the director doesn't get it. And I, what mm. I've learned is like, they do not understand the joke. You cannot make them tell it. They will not execute it in a way that you implied. You could even perform the joke for them. You know, so sometimes you have to roll back on what you're... What and it has precious. to go based on... And you go, look, yeah. they're not going to get it. I'm not going to... I'd rather they didn't hatch it job and, and, and mess it up. I'm going to give them something else. So you just have to be versatile enough to not get overly precious about something. And don't be afraid to fight your corner either. I mean, like, have yeah, that yeah. conversation with the director. You know, try and convince them of the joke. Just, just an example. <laughs> um, and if, if like, no one's ever told a joke well that they didn't understand, that's what I genuinely believe. You know, the, the, it, you know if you don't understand the beats, the mechanics, the pauses, the, you know, the, the, the moving parts mm-hmm. of a joke, the joke won't work, you know. It's it's uh, good. Great jokes are finely balanced things. You know, you take one thing out of place, and all of a sudden it falls flat. Well, the best comedy is always intelligent comedy, isn't yeah. it? And universal. Well, it's, it's, well, sometimes it's just the goofy stuff too. It's the, it's the mm. primal kind of uh, slapstick, well placed slapstick too. But yeah, but great, great comedy has impeccable timing and mm. understands what the joke is about. You know, the act director should, even if the character is is in blissful ignorance of what's funny. You know, mm. uh, but the actor should understand. Yeah, you know. Well, they will if it's written well. Well, yeah, well enough, that's they'll, it. Yeah. No. Um, sorry, I'm just curious, and this mm. is for my own sake as well. Um, what, what, um, what tips would you give, um, particularly younger writers, mm. to get seen by people? Yeah. To get read, nobody wants to read a script. I know. No, no, that. I know that from that's experience. The thing. Um, look, we all hate doing them. Uh, get a a little pitch page pitch for your idea or, or, or a paragraph synopsis mm-hmm. you know tell us what the shows or the idea is about don't tell us the entire story again give us a glimpse give us mm-hmm. a teaser tell us what's intriguing and unique about it and we'll go oh that sounds interesting so you have to almost kind of bite size this you could have taken a masterpiece but you have to distill it down to something that you know someone's going to read and follow through so they'll actually go oh I like that I like that I like, oh I'll read the whole thing you know, that's that's really what it is. I and mean, what, what about actually getting in front of, you know, because you've done this successfully with mm. some, some, you know, successfully and unsuccessfully. Yeah. What about getting an audience with the right people? How does that work? Go to the fairs. Uh, the put, fairs are take good. Take a risk. To, you know, yeah. g- go to the go to the markets. And the, and, the markets are definitely a big thing. Um, right. Uh, and you'd be surprised who you can get a meeting with. Now it's harder as in complete noob, but as someone who's well established with a relatively decent CV, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just you know, email their PA, tell, give them a little bit of background, say that you'd like to meet them for a coffee. Or most people in this business are really helpful in the mm-hmm. sense that if I want to meet for a coffee and I'm I'm a noob, you know, you can go in there and they will at some point if they're a half decent human being realizes that talent just doesn't come out of nowhere, they will take time out <laughs> and they will have a coffee. Do you find the more um in general terms, companies and and uh, this is a byproduct mm. of I I think perhaps. Um, the pandemic that mm. they're more willing now to maybe do a quick zoom instead of losing three or four hours but they will give you that 15 minutes yeah, they give you because 15 they don't have to group off their arses that is true I mean this is the thing some people hate zoom I prefer yeah. to meet someone for a coffee but a quick zoom you're right it is it's it's less effort and, you're, and you can also kind of log off politely <laughs> or you can climb out the toilet window of the cafe yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so it, 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 it is more accessible I mean it, it, the higher up you go the harder it is you know yeah. um, if you're agentless that's you know it's harder too but I suppose set your guys find, find, find out if you're a writer and you have a particular idea or style or genre or find out who makes stuff like that or who mm. might be interested in that kind of stuff um, 
Like, don't be taking an adult idea to a preschool company. You know, they might like we want to do that, but yeah, yeah. they mightn't be the best people to push your idea forward. So my advice is, is contact people, know introduce your yourself, don't send anything, ask permission, never send a script first. That's good. Do an intro. Yeah. Tell them a little bit about yourself and say that you'd like to maybe hop on a Zoom call for 15 minutes or if it's a local thing or it's like, I'm in Dublin, would you mind meeting me for coffee one morning? And then do that, go out and meet them again, the personal face-to-face thing. It's much it's much easier to dismiss the, uh, you know, the no-face email guy. And we, mm. we all do it. I mean, like, I've, got, I've got a pile of emails. That I'm like, I, I, have to answer, I don't know who these people are, but I, well, I will answer them eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's easier when you haven't met that person. It's because hard to reject someone some, you might yeah, like. They're like, you're nearly spam. I, I mean, you could be spam. <laughs> you know, you could be <laughs> um, a friend of mine who's a writer, he did something... Um, which I think is refreshing. Mm. He had, he, you know, you know the way you can have email templates, yeah. which are built into the, your signature. Yeah. He had a video, yeah. video pitch of him explaining who he is and Brilliant. what he does at the yeah. bottom that automatically plays. That when, strike when home sent with me. to people. Yeah. Just so, and he said the uptake. Uh, oh man, it, would, uh, it's it has a, been huge. What's, what's that thing? It's like um, you know, you're, I was reading statistics about Tinder that like if you have a picture in your profile, you're 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 likely to being selected. What's or, Tinder? Or uh, it's the, it's a dating <laughs> app, you know. Um, no, but you know, you need to put pictures up. Yeah, if you, yeah. You get, the more there is of you, the easier it is to build this per- idea of a person in their head and and the personality and like mm. you know. Uh, yeah, so I think that's a great anything that gives you that kind of advantage. Not every writer is that sort of comfortable extrovert either. Um, not to say that you know, and they don't have to be. Yeah, yeah, they don't have to be, but it is a little harder. Um, but yeah, it can also be a little tricksy. Like sometimes you like uh, you know, again, if it would have to be very good video. Yeah. <laughs> you know, otherwise you're like going, they could be weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, look, yeah. you don't have to be. But like, I, I, you admire people who pull it off, basically. If you do yeah. it with a smile and not in a wink, like, oh, actually, I like that person. They've got a bit of personality. Mm. Uh, I'll read their stuff because there's going to be a pile of it there. I have a bunch of stuff that I've, um, I've got a huge amount of reading to do in the next month or so for a new show we're starting. So yeah. tell us uh, what you're working on in the future that you can talk about. Uh, I'm doing a. Uh, uh, my NDA I'm just thinking it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> nine story brown bag show based okay. on a Hollywood um, franchise that's all I can say at the moment you okay. know otherwise um, yeah my, my somewhere but a piece of paper with my signature on it will, will, will burn <laughs> spontaneously combust <laughs> um, so things are exciting you're happy yeah, to be back working th- yeah I'm very happy uh, there's that I also have a really amazing fun show that I'm working on at the moment with a studio in the Middle East. Um, oh, wow, okay. Which, uh, yeah, just re- really talented, bunch of people, really interesting idea. Again, I can't really give too much away due but, to NDAs, but that, <laughs> that was really fun. It's basically a science fiction-y thing that's meant to kind of explore. Uh, it's set about 50 years in the future, and it's exploring kids' relationship with technology and artificial intelligence. And wow. I'm a bit obsessed with futurism and future prediction and where we're going. And I think, you know, we all should be because our world is changing incredibly rapidly. So I kind of, I, I, they gave me a show idea and I basically gave them a whole entire spin that explores that theme. And it's been really rewarding. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, good, thanks. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Um, really I, I'm, I've, I haven't had an awful lot of people from the animation industry yeah. so for me this has been really interesting um, thanks um, you're a star thank you um, and continued success and I can't wait to see what kind of happens next um, with the hot drop formula yeah thank you very much thanks so it's much it's been a real pleasure thanks man